I'm back. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Emma Criswell, VP of Client Relations and co-host with Mike of the Hit the Bottle podcast here. Did you miss me? I missed me too. <laughs> so 2020 has taught us many things. One of the biggest lessons learned is just how important it is to be web savvy in the wine industry. And to that end, today we speak with George Christie, founder of the Wine Industry Network and purveyor of arguably the most read newsletter in the wine business, Wine Industry Advisor. George, Mike, and I discuss how to best utilize WIN's tools as a producer, if the hype around wine and cannabis is here to stay, and how we see the future of trade events, lectures, and seminars moving forward. It's a great conversation. Let's get ready to hit the bottle. Welcome to Hit The Bottle Podcast, a show for beverage sales and marketing professionals looking to up their game and further their careers and businesses. Viewed through the lens of strategy, technology, and leadership, we explore everything from digital marketing, e-commerce, brand building, public relations, and much more. Each week, we chat with industry experts and leaders, explore practical applications, and discuss what's happening in our world. Our goal is to provide you with the insights and strategies you need to create successful marketing programs. Now it's time to hit the bottle. Uh, so my next guest... Um, Almost needs no introduction. He has been in the wine business um, since 1991. In 2009, he started uh, Wine Industry Network with his partner, Elizabeth E. Slater. And it started as an online directory and evolved into one of the most valuable B2B marketing and, and media companies serving the wine industry. And I wanted to have him on to talk about what it's like working with literally thousands of producers and what he feels that not only does Wynn have to offer, but you know what the future is looking like for our industry in general. So welcome to the show, George Christie. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great. I'm glad you're here. Um, before we get too far into the interview, can you share with the listeners how they might get a hold of you, should they wish? Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me, um, of course, is email george at wineindustrynetwork.com. Uh, phone calls are always good. Uh, my direct line, 707-433-4215. Um, pretty easy to track down. So not only, you know, so under the win, the Wine Industry Network umbrella, you've got several different kind of programs. Yeah. Can you just give us kind of a brief overview of yeah. what those are? Yeah, it's funny. It's actually, it's like, it's kind of like the Winchester Mystery House, it feels like sometimes. <laughs> like we just start bolting new things on. But, you know, as you mentioned, it, it started off originally as basically an online directory. You know, I mean, we were running around with the big old print directories. I, of course, I worked for wineries my whole career, and we'd have stacks of the old print directories like no one used. You know what I mean? And so mm. I thought, okay, we've got to do a better yep. job than that. Uh, but then, yeah, over the years, um, we bolted on a basically um, – an editorial site called the Wine Industry Advisor. The advisor is where we aggregate uh, all of the news that essentially gets pushed out in the afternoon brief, which is a daily recap of industry news uh, from, you know, for the most part, you know, West Coast and North America, but certainly international news as well. 
Which, if you're listening to this podcast, you should be absolutely reading that that brief every day. Absolutely. Yeah, com afternoon brief, sign up. It's free. It comes once a day. It's just a great way to stay on top of, uh, you know, industry happenings. We wound up, uh, again, um, we've got a couple of different events that we do. We wound up getting into the event business. So uh, North Coast Wine Industry Expos, uh, second largest trade show in the country, takes place usually takes place in December every year. We've got another event called the Wine and Weed Symposium. It's focused on the impact that legal cannabis has on wine. Uh, Wine Industry Sales Symposium, which is really looking at how to help producers succeed, regardless of whether it's the direct uh, DTC channel or wholesale channel. And uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. We've got, you know, a data product called Wine Industry Data that producers or suppliers use to help research the wineries that they're looking to target. So yeah, we've got a, a lot of different things going on, all under the overarching umbrella of us wanting to be the best business-to-business resource that we can be for the industry. And, and what that means is that if you're a winery or a grape grower, we want you to think of Win as a place that you can come to research the products and services that you need to run your business or, or stay up to date on the news and happenings in our industry. If you're a vendor, um, we want you to come to us as someone that can support your marketing and sales efforts and getting your product and service in front of in front of your winery or vineyard customers, whether they're current or, or prospective. And for the um, for the media, uh, we like to you know think of ourselves as a great outlet for whatever content that you have. Uh, and there's a lot of great content that's being produced. Uh, whether people are writing for consumers or writing for trade, and we want you to think of us as a resource there as well. That's excellent. Thank you for the recap. Um, now, obviously, right now, uh, events aren't happening, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure that that's a big part of, of what you guys have been um, doing. So, like, how have you, How first of all, how have you pivoted? Yeah. And second of all, like, how is that translated to how you're helping the industry right now, given that, you know, they don't have an, they don't have an outlet to go to a, an event and be a, be a, producer at the trade show, right? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, when COVID first starting to impact the world, you know, I immediately looked into doing virtual a virtual trade show, uh, as an example, because we, you know, all we've always got a trade show component, even for our smaller events. And uh, and at the same time looking at the webinar opportunities, the platforms that were out there to uh, host panels. And I will tell you that that for us we immediately recognized that there was real value in the educational webinars, you know, the, the, the virtual panel discussions, things like that. I mean, and, and I will tell you, I was a little bit of a naysayer at first, you know, to, to be quite honest with you, thinking about, oh, I don't want to sit in front of my computer and watch this. It needs to be in person mm-hmm. or it's just not going to have the energy. But I will tell you, I'm a convert uh, uh, on, the, uh, on using a virtual platform to do panel discussions and, and many conferences. I'm on board with that, man. I think it's terrific. It, it's given us uh, the opportunity to to get in front of people that could never attend an in-person conference here in Northern California. And I'm talking about yeah. uh, people in Virginia and Maryland and New York or Missouri. I mm-hmm. mean, they, first of all, they don't have the budget, a lot of them, because they're very small, uh, right. but they sure. want to be there. So I love I love the way technology has impacted that part of what we what we do. The trade show piece, I will tell you, man, I I, I really question the value of uh, these virtual trade shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of ways, one issue network is, is not that much different. Our platform that we came up with ten years ago that's that's evolving, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, is not unlike these online platforms for yeah. trade shows. You go. I mean, it's essentially a mar- marketplace. Yeah, you go. There's a video. They have videos or PDFs. Or, it's the same thing. I, I, 
I don't, I don't see a future in online trade shows. I see a future in the virtual conferences. I think for us, we're going to continue to do those as well as the in-person ones. But I do want to share one quick thing with you, and we can talk more about this later too, is that I just finished a call with the county, Sonoma County, today, and we had rescheduled our trade show for from December 4th to from December 3rd to March 4th, and uh, we got the green light. So we're going to be able to do uh, a real in-person trade show. Now it's going to be modified. People are going to wear masks. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to limit the number of people that can be in the building at any one time. And there's different ways, you know, uh, tactics that we'll use to do that. But the good news is that we're going to be able to go forward and bring our industry together in a way that we haven't been able to do for quite some time. Yeah, that's good news. We've had plenty of conversations with our clients and friends about how we don't know when we'll be able to get back to the trade shows and see each other and kind of what's plan B, what's plan C, what's plan D. It's changing every day and it's really frustrating. But I mean, it's good to know that it looks like that'll be happening for you. And do you think that's absolutely something that's going to happen? Do you think it could change? Barring uh, a setback, and and what I mean is like right now, Sonoma County's under the strictest guidelines, which is they use a color system, so it's purple. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're still in purple, but even under purple, we're gonna be able to move forward. Again, you're gonna have to have safety precautions uh, social distancing, but it's not that much different than going to Costco <laughs> yeah, or Home Depot yeah. or anything else like that, right? Um, sure. S- registration or check-in will be a little bit different, mm-hmm. right? We'll have people spaced out. Um, you know, you won't be hugging people the way we used to and shaking hands the way we used to. But for the vendors that we work with, and I've had 50 of these conversations uh, from the largest vendors to, to some of the smaller uh, suppliers of products and services, like, They want to get back in front of their customers. They want to be able to get in front of their prospects. And so we're, you know, we're determined to do it and we're determined to do it safely. Well, you know, this is a relationship business, uh, you know, more than many, many others. I mean, you know, relationships are business in general, but in the wine business, so much business is done face to face. So much is done on handshakes. Mm -hmm. And when you can't meet face to face, you know, a lot, I think there's a lot of, businesses out there that have been hindered in their sales because of that. Yeah, there's no question about it. It's it's something that you you know, you take for granted. I mean, there's so many things that we that we've all I think going through this experience have taken for granted. You know, we like I said just the, the chances to run into an old friend and give him a hug. I mean, it's like sure. sounds crazy, but those are things you just did couldn't imagine not being able to do. So, I think it's going to be interesting that when we do come out the other end of this thing, Mike, and to your point about this I think people are just, there's just this pent up demand for Mm -hmm. getting together, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to have that. We're going to have the problem of actually like keeping people back. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because they're they're all going to want to like be like. (laughs) Yeah. Extra (laughs) security. (laughs) Time, get people out of there. And specific timing. It's like, it's, like it's, it's going to be like, like a scrum in rugby, you know, it's just like <laughs> everybody's just piled on top of each other. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, Don't they do that, that normally? I'll be, the, I'll be right at the bottom of the pile. <laughs> Here's a message from our sponsor. So, so one of the one of the other um, businesses that you've kind of been um, dabbling in is um, is cannabis. 
yeah. um, with the Wine and, Weed, Wine and Weed Symposium. And, you know, obviously that's it's a growing industry. It's, you know, every day regulations are, are being loosened all over the country. Of course, it is it is legal in the state of California where we are right now. So what is the what does the future look like for for cannabis producers and your organization? And like, how do you feel like you're going to be able to service that particular segment? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, it's funny because when we first launched Wine and Weed Symposium, it came about because we had a we put one of our sessions on at the expo, just talking about hey, cannabis looks like it's going to be legal and blah blah. blah. And typically, one of our sessions would attract about 150 people. We had like 500 people show up for this particular session. There was so much wow. interest, and so that's what made us decide, hey, why don't we dedicate? Oh, and we realized in one hour we could not answer any question. Right? It was just it was just we were overwhelmed, and uh, so we thought, you know, let's dedicate a full day to tackling the topic of what the cannabis impact might mean for wine. Uh, and, and what might the potential opportunities be? And that was the beginning of Wine Wheat Symposium uh, in 2016. And it was like, we it was so crazy because we got so much national press around this mini little conference. Mm-hmm. I think simply because it was this, this idea of talking about this emerging industry that was literally coming out from, you know, the, uh, the underground, from the mm-hmm. black market, in conjunction with this traditional industry wine that has so much tradition and so much history you know um, yeah. i call it inertia and, yeah <laughs> and, and uh uh and the conversations at the very beginning were a lot there was a lot of fear-based you know of like oh my god mm-hmm. right you know the vineyards are going to get torn and there's going to be uh fields of cannabis and people are going to stop drinking wine and they're going to and and none of those real those fears really materialized right so mm-hmm. the conference has sort of evolved from from what what you know all the scary things that might happen to being more of like an educational conference where people can learn about what's happening there's conversations about some of the collaborative opportunities for example uh, we had Corey Beck from Francis Ford Coppola speak about their venture into cannabis and their ability to leverage their brand in another industry. And but but to be honest with you, Mike, it's like I don't I'm not sure what the future is for this because it's not as hot of a topic as I think it once was. I mean, we've mm-hmm. got our problems mm-hmm. in Santa Barbara uh, with you know the 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 two industries having a hard time cohabitating mm-hmm. uh, for a, a number of reasons. And you know, there's still some like we've got. We're doing our virtual conference, a virtual wine and weed symposium, which is a compressed, only three session uh, conference that's going to be broadcast on um, on October twenty eighth. Okay. And we've got three as in sessions next week. As in next week, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, one session, sort of like the overview of, of you know the the COVID impact on cannabis and on wine and, and what sort of correlations there are. Uh, we've got a session that's talking about kind of the investment landscape, the beverage industry's investment in cannabis, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like Constellation, for example. And then the final session, which is, I think, going to be somewhat controversial, is a session on is cannabis good for the Napa Valley? Mm. And uh, no, we've got a couple yeah. of vintners who are on that panel who really have taken a position like, you know what, they think it's they think it is good. So, But a lot of the controversy out there that I think gets people interested is sort of not you know, existing. And we're not in a position, I'm not a cannabis expert. I mean, I've learned a lot over the last few years, but there, there's no future in like, there's not, not you're never going to see like the weed industry network. Like that's not All right. What Got do you it. think has brought it into the mainstream? Has it been that industries like the wine industry that are just so ingrained in the country and so traditional have 
kind of brought it into the light and made it less of a controversial thing? Or where do you think that comes from? I don't think I don't think the wine industry has done anything to help lower the stigma, to be honest with you. I think it's just... I feel like it's happened very quickly. Yeah, but I think, I think that, at least here in California, mm-hmm. even though recreation use just was legalized, it, it's not like it was hard to get before yeah. that, right? So yeah. it's like, it was here anyway. I think that, that what's changing why it's changing so rapidly it's just that people aren't a people aren't as embarrassed as maybe they once were and trying mm-hmm. to keep it such so secretive and i think that a lot of the 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 worst fears that people thought were going to happen that were maybe anti-cannabis never materialized you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i mean i i think that's it yeah i think it, you know We'll see what the future holds, but yeah. you know, there's definitely some, there's still some issues that I think you know both industries need to work out and, as you say, cohabitate, um, yeah. because I do think there's plenty of room for for both, even even if there's a you know fight over land use and and water use and all that stuff. But so switching gears, um, so going back to resources for producers um, yeah. and uh, suppliers, you've got. We, we mentioned the advisor earlier today and you have yeah. like over like 35,000 subscribers uh, yeah. to that, to that newsletter. So how are some things that your suppliers and your producers who sign up for the, the, the network, you know, how are they able to leverage some of these, these mm-hmm. opportunities? So the way the platform basically works, it's, it's really like, and it, and it really is a, a content marketing platform was what we built. And even though we didn't really know that's what we were building back when it started, what the, Basically, the value proposition to our members, we, call, we refer to them as members, is access to our audience, right? So if you, and we, in addition to the afternoon brief that goes out every day, every Tuesday and Thursday, we've got another uh, basically campaign that goes out, except it's, feature, it's a product and service feature. And we've got four categories, production, uh, sales and marketing, vineyard, and leadership um, or operations. And so the biggest value proposition that we have for our members is, They've got this platform, right, where they can repurpose all of the marketing material that they've already created. We built it in a way so that when they have news to share, they update their what they would be called their what's new tab. Mm-hmm. And that is captured and and picked up and pushed out through those newsletters. Hmm. Those newsletters, each one of those newsletters has over between twelve and fifteen thousand subscribers that mm-hmm. are interested specifically in that category, right? So I'm a vineyard guy. I don't necessarily care about new tasting room point of sale. You know, uh, but I do want to know what's happening in the vineyard uh, mm-hmm. department. And so we are able to push that vineyard specific or that winemaking specific information out to a very targeted audience. And that all links back to their profile. So, the you know, it's sometimes we just kind of kid around and say we're basically an awareness machine. So if you have something that you mm-hmm. want to make our industry aware of, come see us. And we can do it in a way that's, I believe, is very cost effective, number one. And more importantly, it's very measurable. And as I already mentioned, targeted. That's such a good way to put it. And yeah. Who are you finding is getting the most value out of those resources? Is it still the media or is it more going toward the producers? Is it even? Well, you know, it's like everyone has different needs that they're looking to satisfy. So I think that for the vendors that we work with, and, and again, they don't all take full advantage the way that they should, right? But the yeah. ones that are, you know, hey, I see the value in this. I see how it works that are coming up with, you know, good content uh, about their product or their service and they're regular they're included regularly in these lists. 
they're seeing a you know a very easy clear return on their investment no question about it mm-hmm. i think on the winery side of things or vineyard side who the, you know the people that we think of as subscribers to this news mm-hmm. it's just like a super easy way to stay on top of like you know innovation that's happening in our industry and of course that's separate from the news right the afternoon brief is all about news and we talk about products and services there as well but that product and service newsletter is you know very specific to yeah. uh, to just that Great. So um, anything you'd like to add uh, before we wrap up here, George? No, I, I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that we are excited about is we we basically took everything that we had built with our website and tore it down and are in the process of launching uh, our new website. The original site operated a lot like an online directory. We could go in mm-hmm. and you could, you know, yep. type cork and here's all the cork producers or type bottle and here's all the different companies that sell bottles. Yeah. The new site is designed in a way that's more consistent with the social media sites, you know, the LinkedIn's, the Facebook's. Now you can still search it and get to a particular company page the way just like the way you used to but in addition to that when you or excuse me but but when you land there it works a lot more like a news feed like a like a, on linkedin or facebook mm. and you'll be able to scroll down and and as you're scrolling down because this is the way people consume information right these days right, right? that's just the right, way the world absolutely. is going so you'll be able to scroll down and you'll get your industry news will be interspersed interspersed with uh, product and service news or people news. And so we're super excited about that. You know, it's taking us one step closer to what the ultimate goal was when we when we initially conceived of this is like actually creating that network, right? That right. network, whether, you know, it's a network that's connecting to producers or because vendors will want to be connected with vendors as well. And and Mike, you, you know, you alluded to it earlier. It's like we are a social industry, but we haven't successfully done the digital version of what mm-hmm. happens in person. Nope. And, and again, it's never good. It's, it can never be better than what happens in person. But we feel really good about the direction that we're going. And, and we feel very confident that's, you know, that's the future of how people are going to connect at an industry level. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I that was news to me, and and that's that's huge, because I see a lot of potential there for, you know, producers to engage with one another or to engage with with vendors and vice versa in a platform that's like not so broad like Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. Right. Because um, sometimes that just stuff gets lost. Gets it's lost so frequently. Yeah. But you use the right word, right? Engage, right? And it's all yeah. about engagement, and, mm-hmm. and you know. We did the best we could with our original site, but it didn't have the engagement tools that we we envision in the future. So we're on our way. We're not there yet, you know, and we'll continue to layer on different features as things go. But, you know, the ultimate goal is to see if we can make the industry a little bit smaller by making the, you know, the ability to communicate with each other, engage with each other, each other easier. That's fantastic. Fantastic. George, hey, thanks for, for being on the show with us today. Emma. My co-host, it's great to hear your voice. I know. For the first time in many episodes. <laughs> it's so, been uh, too long. It was uh, it was great having you on as well. Happy so, to be back. Um, and uh, so thanks thanks a ton. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me, and appreciate uh, you having me on the show. This has been Hit the Bottle, a production of Balzac Communications and Marketing. You can find past episodes on our website at htbpodcast.com. Drop us a line on social at HTB Podcast or send us an email to Mike at HTBpodcast.com or Emma at HTBpodcast.com. 
Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. If you like this show, please rate and review in any of the mentioned platforms. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day.